morning is our last service of the year, as you know. It's the last message of our Christmas series. Christmas in Heaven's Mind has been the series. And today we come to the fact that has been alluded to in song and in scripture that there was no room for Jesus Christ when he came the first time as the baby. And we recognize that, if truth be told, there are still many quarters where Jesus Christ is still not welcome, where there's still no room for Jesus. And the evaluation the Spirit of God wants to do for the man in the pulpit and all of you in the pew this morning is, would that be possibly us? That in some manner of speaking that we have not given room to Jesus Christ. To explore this together with you, I want to do it historically, then I want to do it contemporarily. When Jesus Christ came in the babe as Bethlehem, the fusion of God with man, the hypostatic union, the incarnation. When Jesus Christ came as the babe in Bethlehem, there were four areas that did not accept him. There were four different areas that made no room for him. I want to go through these areas with you, then I want to show you in the contemporary manner how there's still a problem with no room for Jesus in these same four areas. So let's start with politics. In politics. Matthew 2, 1 through 8 Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Oh yes, politically in the day of Jesus Christ, there was no room for Christ. King Herod was the provincial ruler over the Jews and was greatly troubled over the baby Jesus. And so he demanded to know the exact location of the babe. Why? He said to worship him, but of course his intention was to have Jesus killed. And because Herod knew the Old Testament scriptures, namely Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So Herod knew that prophecy. He knew the language of that prophecy that he found offensive and threatening. Government, king, 
throne, reign, kingdom. These were all perceived by Herod to be a huge threat to Herod's Roman government, to Herod's career path, and to his pension. And later in Christ's earthly ministry, another politician named Pilate joined hands with Herod and basically made the point that there was no room in Christ, for Christ, rather, in politics. Near the end of Jesus' ministry, Luke 23, 11 to 12, and Herod, with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Now Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day, for before they had been at enmity with each other. The coagulation of two politicians, both having no room for Christ. You know there is still no room for Christ in most politics. In my country of Canada, in 1988, when the Swiss Air Flight 111 crashed off of Peggy's Cove, Nova Scotia, a memorial service was planned by the Canadian government, televised on CNN all around the globe, and the government told the Baptist clergy and the Roman Catholic priests that were officiating that service they were not allowed to mention the name of Jesus Christ. They both capitulated. They both didn't mention the name of Jesus. More recently, our current prime minister, Justin Trudeau, has on record said, evangelical Christians are the worst part of Canadian society. Or America. Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden assert themselves to be Roman Catholics, but they strongly support abortion. No room for Jesus in politics. In China, as I speak, Christians are being arrested and tortured and killed. The scriptures are being rewritten by the communist government. The Christian church buildings are being demolished. And the only sanctioned church in China, sanctioned by the communists, is called the Three Self Churches. And it's allowed to continue because they're puppets of the Chinese government. Those three self-churches may not preach Jesus' deity, his resurrection, or a second coming. They further may not preach against abortion, and they cannot preach that there is a literal hell. But they must preach. All good communists go to heaven. Chinese government-written sermons that are furnished to the clergy of the three self-church. And they must convey to the congregation the communist social rules in China. In conjunction with the church in China, there is no importing or printing of Bibles. There is no evangelizing. The communist government officials, police officers, Chinese soldiers, teachers, children, or teenagers may not become Christians. Oh yes, still today, around the world, when it comes to politics, there's no room for Christ. But there's a second area that had no room for Jesus historically and still has no room for Jesus today. It's society in general. Society in general had no room for Jesus. John 1, 10 and 11, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. No room in ancient society for Christ. Think of it, the eternal son of God who enjoyed all the glory and splendors of heaven at all times, enjoyed the worship of all the good angels, 
and had on display infinite power and majesty, who spoke the universe, the creation into existence, and who came to earth to reveal God's love and was greeted by stark, cold indifference. The creator and the sustainer of all that's been created arrived to expressly save those who believe in him from their sins and from hell, not at all welcomed by dignitaries either from the Roman Empire or from Israel or from any surrounding nation. What's worse is that that is the record of Scripture. Imagine if Queen Elizabeth planned a royal visit to a certain country and they arranged no transportation for her, no hotel, no press conferences. That would be bad for a queen. But when the Son of God comes to earth and there's cold indifference, it's a travesty. There was no room for Christ in society, and I would contend there is still no room for Christ in society. 30 plus years after the first Christmas, you know from scripture that certain Roman and Jewish dignitaries conspired to plan the death of Christ. Someone as well said he was born in a public stable, he died on another's cross, and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Even back in the day, the three and a half years of public ministry that Jesus Christ had, social relationships with him were strained. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. People called him the carpenter's son. Nicodemus stuck to see him by night. He was called a sinner for eating with sinners. They talked behind his back when he let a former prostitute put perfume on his feet. He was put down for not knowing who his biological father was. Peter denied even knowing him three times. He was called insane. He was labeled a blasphemer. And the Samaritan woman felt very awkward even talking with him. No room. No room in ancient social circles and very, very real negative social stigmas attached to Christ. It's still so, you know. It's still so. We can talk about love and war and family and sickness and money. We can talk about sports and crime and movies and addictions. And we can even talk about sexuality. But as the saying goes, don't talk about politics or religion. I know of one local business that allows anything on their workers' T-shirts except political and religious images or sayings. I'm assuming that this company has seen flare-ups between workers and offense taken by customers by FNM and PLP and DNA and over Republican and Democrat and over Christ and Islam. No room for Jesus in society. And so we've seen that historically there was no room for Jesus in politics and society, and contemporarily there's still no room for Jesus in politics and society, but there's a third area. It's business. There was no room for Christ in ancient business. Acts 19, 23 to 34. And about that time there arose no small disturbance concerning the way. 
For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all, and not only is there danger that this trade of ours falls into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless, and that she whom all Asia and the world worship should even be dethroned from her magnificence. When they heard this, they were filled with rage. And they began crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. And so some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. So then some were shouting one thing and some another for the assembly was in confusion and the majority did not know for what they had come together. And some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander since the Jews had put him forward and having motioned with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly, but when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for about two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Oh, there was no place in business for Jesus. These silversmiths of Ephesus were really very concerned, not because their souls were in the balance, but because their businesses and their profits were on the line. Apparently, these guys had landed on the lie that it did profit a man to gain the whole world and eventually lose his soul. And others today still come to that wrong conclusion. So when we go back to these ancient silversmiths, these promoters of an idol, Artemis, these followers of Jesus were allowed to promote their faith in Christ in Asia and Ephesians and Ephesus, excuse me, until that promotion of Jesus, until that promotion of Jesus started to negatively affect the big business of the idol Artemis. Ephesian business owners had entirely enough of Jesus when his men came to town and taught that Artemis was inanimate, powerless, and a waste of time and money. And with that, Christ got into their cash registers. They didn't like it one bit. Rage, violence, confusion sprung up as fast as Pop-Tarts in a toaster. And then when push came to shove, businesses bullied Christ out of town. The silversmith squeezed out our savior because he was bad for their bottom lines and business didn't want to be bedfellows with believers. <laughs> you know, not much has changed. Nowadays, there are lots of businesses that won't touch Jesus with a 10-foot pole or if they will, they'll take that 10-foot pole to poke Jesus out of their lives and businesses. These businesses publicly support policies and standards which Christians deem to be inappropriate. Let me name some names. It's on the record. Target. The Walt Disney Company. Netflix. 
Netflix has a movie on now that portrays the Lord Jesus Christ as a homosexual. Facebook. Some who preach Christian messages on Facebook have them judged as hate speech by the corporation. And if they don't take them down, they're warned and then they're frozen out and then they're canceled as a Facebook account. Now, if I'm going to name a few businesses that want no part of Jesus Christ, I better name some that honor him, some that stand for him. Cracker Barrel, Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, In-N-Out Burger, which is on the West Coast of the United States, Interstate Battery. My brother-in-law works at Interstate Battery. There are 900 employees at Interstate Battery in Dallas, and the Christian ownership of Interstate Battery has one overall chaplain for those 900 employees and five chaplains under the head chaplain. This is bowl season for college football. The Georgia Dome, you know how how many fans it holds, Atlanta Falcons Stadium. Chick-fil-A has a restaurant at the Georgia Dome, and they close their restaurant in the Georgia Dome every Sunday. You say, Pastor, but the NFL only plays on Sundays, basically. Yeah, that's true. They close their restaurants when the stadium is open on Sundays, and they still have record profits. He who honors me, him will I honor. And so as we come back to Christmas in business, we observe that Christmas is huge business in the United States. Retail sales in the United States this past Christmas season, $729 billion. That's up from $400 billion in 2000, the year 2000. So all businesses, I'm sure, are happy to have Christmas sales, but most are unwilling to even mention Christ at Christmas. There's a fourth area where Jesus Christ found no room, and where he still finds no room, and it may surprise you, is the area of religion. Sounds odd, doesn't it? That religion would have no room for Jesus. But it's true. Let me give you four examples. In Matthew 12, 22 to 24, it reads, Then there was brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him, so that the dumb man spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. And so these religious leaders of Jesus' time ascribed the undeniable miracle-working power of Christ to demons. No room for Jesus. Luke 7, 33 and 34. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he is a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard and a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. Here the Pharisees show up again with no room for Jesus, and they call Christ a gluttonous man, a drunkard, and a friend of tax gatherers and sinners because he spent time with people who needed God. No room for Jesus in religion. Or Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. And he entered again into the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath in order that he might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, rise and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent, cowards. They kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at his, their hardness of heart, he said to the men, 
man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and the hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately began taking counsel with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Now the Pharisees and the Herodians at this episode joined forces angry over Jesus healing on the Sabbath and plotted to kill the Lord Jesus. And last example, John 19, verse 6, right on the edge of the cross. And when therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him for I find no fault in him. (laughs) Here the chief priests led the final no room cheer of crucify him, crucify him. No room for Jesus historically in the religious leadership. Still the problem today. Some religious leaders of so-called Christian churches have no room for Jesus. There are church buildings in Canada and the United States that do not have a cross anywhere on the outside of the building or anywhere inside the building so as not to offend anybody. There are preachers in various countries that will not preach the blood of Christ. They don't want to be associated with what might be perceived as being gory. There are preachers who come to the Lord's Supper and they'll only take the bread. They won't even touch the cup because they don't want to be associated with the blood of Christ. No room for Jesus in world leadership, religious leadership. The liberal church denies the supernatural miracle powers of Jesus Christ. I told you before a true story of a parishioner in a liberal mainline church in the United States who was terminally ill and in hospital. His pastor came to see him as a pastoral visit, and the pastor forgot his Bible. So he saw the parishioner's Bible on the table beside the hospital bed and said, may I borrow your Bible? I want to read you some scripture. And the pastor started going through the Bible and saw holes cut in various pages of the Bible. Half sheets ripped out, whole pages missing. And the pastor said, your Bible, it's a mess. What happened to your Bible? Oh, pastor, every time you said in a sermon that this particular verse was questionable, I took it out. No room for Jesus in the pulpits of some. There's a church in Redding, California called the Bethel Church. It's exporting certain music that the evangelical church in some parts is gobbling up. They have said this week that they do not believe that men and women are depraved. They're all good. It means they don't need a savior. This same church in Redding, California, the Bethel Church, the youth pastor has gone on record saying that Jesus has approached him for forgiveness. Blasphemy. No room for Jesus. Years ago, there was a Jesus seminar, they called it, of egghead intellectuals from liberal seminaries and Bible colleges and pastors. And they had the audacity to get into a room together with some marbles of different colors, three different colors, red, white and green. And they went through all of the red letter verses in the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they pooled their ignorance, and they would say that, yeah, that's definitely legitimate. Jesus definitely said that. They get a green marble. They voted. If they weren't sure, they put a clear marble. And 
if they don't believe Jesus said it, red marble, and they just pooled their ignorance and had a democratic vote, and then came out of that meeting and declared to the liberal churches that were listening to them which sayings of Jesus were bogus or an error. It could be disregarded. No room for Jesus in some religious leadership. A former pope, Pope John Paul II, in his weekly general audience back in late May of 1999, addressed Muslims in a series discussing interreligious dialogue. And John Paul, Pope John Paul II, quoted at that time from the 1994 Catechism of the Catholic Church, N period 841, which states, quote, together with us, they, bracket Muslims, adore the one merciful God. That's an equating of the God of the Bible to Allah. No room for Jesus in some religious leadership. We have all kinds of gospels. And anything other than the biblical gospel that Christ died for sins and arose is a spurious gospel. It's a false gospel. And the false gospel that seems to be permeating the Bahamas is a kingdom gospel. I heard a speaker who speaks for this, this gospel say, the idea that our good news The idea is that our good news is not about Calvary or the resurrection. It's about a kingdom. He went on, that when Calvary and the blood and the resurrection are preached, it is the good, but it's not the best. He went on to say, we have come to a kingdom and not to a man. That's a reference to Jesus. We have come to a kingdom and not to a man in order not to backslide or to get bored. This religious leader said that Jesus Christ is a man that's boring. And if you just come to Jesus, you'll get bored and you'll backslide. But if you would come to a kingdom, it'd be different. God help us. God judge false teachers here and everywhere they exist. No room. No room for Christ in politics. No room for Christ in society. No room for Christ in business. And even no room for Christ in religion. But you know where there must be room for Jesus? In my heart. In your hearts, if you're believers. There must be room for Jesus in our hearts. There must be room for Jesus in this church. There must be room for Jesus. We should have signs hung around our neck figuratively that said, I've got room for Jesus. (laughs) I've got room for Jesus. Galatians 4.19, my children with whom I am again in labor until, until Christ is formed in you. Jesus Christ has to have a room in your heart, a room in your mind, a room in your life so that he can be formed in you by the Holy Spirit's ministry. He's not an add-on. He's not an attachment. He's not a spare tire. He's not a life preserver. He's not a fire escape from hell. He's Lord. 
He's Lord, he's risen from the dead, and he is Lord. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is he your Lord? I didn't ask if you're saved. I didn't ask you. Is he Lord? If you think of anything he could tell you to do that you would say no to, then he's not your Lord. No and Lord don't go together. You say no, he's not Lord. You say he's Lord, you don't say no. Is he Lord? Behold, Revelation 3.20, behold, Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and will dine with him and he with me. The great thing about Jesus is when you make room, when I make room in, in our hearts for him, he's not a hit and run friend or master or savior. He comes to reside in our hearts, in our lives, to have, to break bread with us, to eat meals with us, to fellowship with us, to interact with us, to forgive us, to hear us, to comfort us, to help us, to clean our lives. Is he your Lord? Do you have room for him? Oh, pastor, you don't know what it takes to get a profit in business around here. Surely you don't want me to make him make room for him in my business. Yeah, You need to make room for him in your business. You don't know my marriage. (laughs) You have no idea how my husband defrauded me by being with other women or said he was a Christian when we got married, but he turned out he wasn't. He betrayed that trust. You don't know my husband. No, I don't. You need to make room for the Lord Jesus to have sway and influence in your marriage. You don't know about my health. I'm sick. I'm terminally sick. Make room for Jesus in your illness. You don't know about my money. (laughs) If you knew about my money problems, you would tell me that I shouldn't need to make room for Jesus in those. He's the Lord of it all. He's the Lord of your kids, grandkids, Lord of your parenting, Lord of your free time, Lord of your uh, discretionary income, Lord of your vacations, Lord of your neighborhood, Lord of your house, Lord of everything. Have you made room for him? (laughs) All these other outfits, politics, no room, society, no room, business, no room, Religion, no room. But could it be said of you, as, as it pertains to me, there's room. And I'm going to live like there's room. I'm going to live when I say to him, Lord, that I don't give myself permission to say no to him. No room can be reversed one believer at a time. You can't change anybody else's decision about making room for Jesus. You can't do it for your husband. You can't do it for your wife or your kids. But you can do it for you. You can make that decision to make room for Jesus in every aspect of your life. Because you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies.
No room. Seemingly everywhere. But may there be room in my life. And may there be room in your life. And when people assess Calvary Bible Church, may have nothing to do with our yard or our fences or our gates or our buildings or even our ministries. May people's assessment of this church be based on whether Christ has found room in our lives that make up this church. Because all the things I named are not this church. What is this church is the individual believers who come together Sunday by Sunday to worship the Lord, to serve the Lord, to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And they are watching us. They're listening to what we're saying. They're wondering if we talk a better game about Jesus than we live. You can't fix anybody else. There's no room for Jesus. But you can fix it if you have no room for Jesus as a Christian. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Would you please stand with me for prayer? We're standing on the last Lord's Day of 2019. We're standing, if the Lord spares our lives, on the cusp of 2020. We're standing because we're symbolically saying we're on holy ground. We're on ground that is decision-making ground. We haven't come here to be seen of other people. We haven't come here to dress up. We haven't been coming here today to hear even a preacher. We've been coming today to hear the voice of God. And he's asking us, have we made room for Jesus in our lives? I'm going to allow us some quiet, silent time to pray about that, right from where you're standing. do this, you, stand, you start one decision at a time. The decision I'm inviting you to make to have room for Jesus in all of your life is an important first step, but the next steps will be this afternoon and this evening and tomorrow morning and each day of the rest of your sojourn on earth. A decision that you make right now needs to be ratified hour to hour, day to day. If you're making that decision to present your life as having room for Christ to control, room for Christ to guide, room for Christ to be exalted and glorified in that, God hears you. He'll forgive you of your sins as you name them. He will make you a habitation a house for his own dwelling. 
Lord, you have heard the prayers of your people. Thank you that you will answer those prayers and that today can be the beginning of having total room for Jesus. For we pray in his name together. Amen. Please remain standing.